0: This is The Reality. And a hearty hello to you again from me, Dudley Anderson. So good to be with you. You're listening to the half-hour talk show, The Reality. Changed lives change lives. And we hear how lives have been touched and changed by the reality of Jesus. If you've got a story to tell of how God has changed your life, I would love to hear from you. Write to me by email, dudley at surereality.net. But today on The Reality, we're chatting with Christian contemporary musician and singer-songwriter Dallas Holm. Dallas has influenced Christian music throughout more than 45 years of writing, singing and ministry in some 4,000 concerts around the world. He's earned gold records, multiple Dove awards, Grammy nominations, number one songs and countless other accolades. During his travels, Dallas also speaks and teaches the truths of what God has taught him on his journey.
1: And if you were to ask me, what's the greatest need in the church today? I think it's the need for sound biblical teaching and preaching. The word of God is never boring. And especially as applied to your life, youth groups try to compete with the world. Well, here's a newsflash. You, You won't win that fight on the basis of entertainment. They got it going and we're way behind the curve in that. But what we do have is the truth of God's word. Find out more creative ways to do it, but don't depart from the truth of God's word.
0: Dallas Holmes songs like I Saw the Lord, Here We Are, and Before Your Throne remind us that it's all about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the desire that he has to build relationship with us. While He has had several hit songs in CCM, he's best known for his song, Rise Again, which is about the resurrection of Jesus. Today we speak with Dallas Home via Skype. Well, it's really my privilege to have on Skype today, Dallas Home, a bastion of contemporary Christian music. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dallas. We're going to be talking about your life and experience and your work and and ministry. But as always, I'd like to find out how you found Jesus as Lord and Savior. You said, I started out living for Jesus many years ago. He gave me his love and I gave him my heart and my soul. Some folks say that I'd never make it, but I guess I must have proven them wrong. So how did you find Jesus as your Lord and Savior?
1: Well, I was raised in a Christian home, two wonderful Christian parents who exampled out for me the reality of Christ and uh, what Christianity looked like. Uh, Unfortunately, like a lot of young people, I got into my teenage years, was disinterested. My brother and I were both pursuing music. I have a brother that's three three years older than I am, and we started playing music and playing guitars, and of course the thing Then, as is often the case now, too, we wanted to play in a band, you know, so we Mm. started uh, taking our talents and our lives in a direction other than anything you'd call Christian. Mm. And uh, really, it was in October of 1965, the 17th of October to be exact, uh, I still went to church. Uh, I I believed in God. I believed in the Bible. I believed there was a heaven. I believed there was a hell. I, I believed all those things that are essential to Christian faith. But, my game plan was when I get older, slow down, life's not so fun anymore, I'll get saved, <laughs> just the time to make it to heaven. And I know that, that sounds so stupid, but that mm. was actually my game plan. I, mm. I thought, well, I, I believe in these things. I need to get saved, you know, before I die, but I just uh, do what I want to do. Anyway, it was a Sunday night in our church, and my brother and I had actually been asked to uh, contribute something musically in the service. And the pastor of our church came up to us, and he said, "Boys, uh it's come to my attention that you're not really using your talents or your lives for the lord uh, could i talk to you about that and he was very non he wasn't condescending he wasn't preachy it was just genuine concern for our souls and for our lives so we went off into his office and it had turned out that my brother unbeknownst to me had just uh, committed his life to the lord and so <laughs> he's in the clear great <laughs> now it's all on me so uh you know i tossed it over in my mind and all i can say is just the lord's time you know we often say we found the lord uh he was never lost Mm. (laughs) scripture teaches that he pursues us he woos us by his holy spirit Mm. he Mm. convicts us he regenerates us uh the whole process of sanctification all these things uh i like what oswald chambers says we work out that which he has worked in Mm. he has worked in uh, you know, to give our lives to the Lord, uh, the marvelous gift of salvation, I would say the beginning of the process of sanctification, but then we enter into this eternal, if you will, cooperative effort of yeah. being conformed to His image. So it really was just an intellectual d- decision at that point. Yes, there were some emotions to it, but I remember in my mind when the pastor of the church asked me, Dallas, do you want to commit your life to the Lord Jesus? Hmm. And I said, yes. Obviously it's been 50 some years now it's worked out very well. Oh, the Lord uh, saves and also keeps. And I'm so glad that he does.
0: He does. He does. He does. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Uh, and uh, it actually says in the Psalms that God knows his plans and he's written our life story before we were even born. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, Adelson, you've just shared that really. Uh, you, you said just now that, um, you know, at one stage you thought, well, you'll wait until you're much older, you know, when, uh, when you've lived life a little and you can uh, uh, settle down and give your life to Jesus. Uh, would you say that's that's the kind of thing that people think about these days? That they're going to give their lives to Jesus or, or get right with God one day when they're much older? Uh, you know, what what is the essence of that?
1: Yeah, I I think that's I think that's always been a thought. You know, that's uh, one of the things the enemy is very good at. Uh, it's his best weapon is uh, untruth, lies, deceit. Hmm. So. To get us to believe that, hey, we've got time, everything is going on pretty much the way it always has, Uh, life stretches out before me. Obviously my perspective is a little different now. I'm 73, and I am older. (laughs) I am (laughs) one of those older guys looking back now, and -hmm. and I I realize really how foolish that was, how swiftly life goes by. Mm. I am concerned that, I think in my generation growing up, there was such a Christian presence, even in schools, I remember in sixth grade, for example, our teacher always had a scripture written on the top of the blackboard in the room, and every week we memorized a scripture. Hmm. This was in public school. I mean, that just simply does not happen. It cannot mm-hmm. happen anymore. So mm-hmm. I don't think our young people are as spiritually minded. They're they're not being influenced from as many different perspectives as I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the millennial group, we call them the young people that are just, uh, it seems, all about themselves, mm-hmm. you know, their 15 uh, minutes of fame and, uh, you know, selfies and mm-hmm. posting everything they've done from, you know, what uh, new shirt they got mm-hmm. to what their dog did this morning. I mean, it's there's such an incredibly self-centered culture that I fear people and younger people aren't even thinking in the kinds of spiritual terms that my generation was. Uh, we know, you know, this statistically, even in the church, I mean, when young people uh, get out of high school, they go to college, there's a huge, huge percentage of them that don't continue on in the faith. I, I think my, you know, I, I often say this, I'm no smarter than anybody else, probably not as smart as most, but I have a perspective that few have in that for 50 some years, I toured, I traveled all over the country, I've been in every corner of every state in my country, I've been about uh, 21 countries uh, in the world, been to your beautiful country and ministered there. I've been in churches of every denomination that you can think of, and it gives you a pretty unique perspective mm. on the body of Christ. And if you were to ask me, what's the greatest need in the church today? I think it's the need for sound biblical teaching and preaching. And that sounds like, oh boy, that that'd be so boring. But the Word of God is never boring. Mm. Truth is always exciting, mm. and especially as applied to your life. So many of our youth groups have become, you know, youth groups try to compete with the world. Well, here's a newsflash. You, you won't win that fight if you, on the basis of entertainment, mm-hmm. they got it going and we're way behind, the, <laughs> way behind the curve in that. But what we do have is the truth of God's word. Don't ever buy into this idea that, well, if I teach the word or preach the word, I'm going to bore them to death. Mm-hmm. Okay, find out more creative ways to do it, but don't depart from the truth of the word of God. Absolutely. At whatever point we depart from the truth of the word then we're going downhill. That's a that's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing what happens. We we become very Complacent, the church begins to look more like the world than it does like the Church of Jesus Christ, mm. and those are, you know, those are some of my great concerns.
0: Mm-hmm. Compromising uh, the truths of God's word, the integrity of God's word, for the sake of popularity and uh, and fame, uh, as you've rightly said, we're going to get back, I think, a little bit to uh, some of the changes, specifically within Christian music, a little bit uh, from now, Dallas. But I want to just back up a little and uh, come back to this this thought when you said. Um, You were going to wait until you were older so that you could have a lot of fun. Let me ask you an honest question. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus and a professional musician, have you had fun in your life?
1: Yes, absolutely. In fact, I would differentiate between, I think it's important to differentiate between, we'll say, fun uh, slash happiness and joy. Um, Happiness and joy are two different things. I, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, just give your life to Jesus and you'll be happy. Well, happiness comes and goes. I often equate it to a a flower, if you'll think of a flower that blooms, uh, that's happiness. It comes, it goes, a a storm can beat the petals off the flower, but joy is the root system under the Mm -hmm. earth, through all the seasons, the cold, the storms, down there, the dirt, joy abides. So I would say I've always had a great measure of joy throughout my Christian journey. I also have had a great deal of fun and happiness, but not all the time, because that, that isn't even true to Scripture, that isn't even reality. Uh, life is tough. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, Scripture says. But, yeah, when I, you know, my biggest fear, really, why I didn't become a Christian, as I mentioned, it wasn't that I didn't believe, it was that, man, I I just don't see how I'm going to have any fun at all <laughs> of being a Christian, and especially as a musician, because if you go back to the 60s, um, and a lot of young people won't remember this, but, for example, when I became a Christian, started singing in churches and I mean, I sang in rest homes, jails, street corners, any place I could sing. Hmm. But when I would go to church, my electric guitar was a very controversial instrument. That was not used uh, in worship generally. And I would get lectures from the pastor, uh, you know, son, your hair's too long, that Mm. guitar's too loud. (laughs) Uh, So it was a very, very different time. So a lot of it wasn't what you would call fun. Uh, Some of us back there, and there were a lot of us that, getting saved in the 60s, early 70s, taking our music. I think of groups like uh, Love Song and Second Chapter of Acts, Mm -hmm. uh, Barry McGuire, Larry Norman, Randy Stonehill, all those people are are friends of mine. We still communicate, at least the ones that are alive. And, uh, you know, it was tough. I mean, we fought a lot of battles back then, but we uh, persevered, and by God's grace, uh, everything worked out okay. But yeah, I, I would say I have had just uh, as we say a boatload of fun a great abiding joy and happiness in serving the lord Uh, uh, and that's in spite of the the trials and the difficulties which which are always going to be there that's that's the thing whether you're a christian or not a christian life's tough and you're going to face adversity and difficulty the difference is if you have jesus you've got someone to go through those things with you in fact you've got someone who has gone before you who was in all ways tempted, just like we are, in every way, emotionally, psychologically, physically, uh, beyond what we could ever imagine. So he's gone before, he understands. If you don't have Jesus, you're on your own. Uh, I always say, in in Christ Jesus, there's hope. Apart from Christ, uh, it's all hopeless.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, and coming from somebody who's been successful in the Christian music world, well, in the music world, we often look at musicians and singers and professional artists such as yourself and we think, well, I've got it made, they've got everything they'll ever want in life. But as you rightly said, Dallas, you know, tough times happen to all of us, and uh, it's the foundation of Christ in our lives. Jesus said, build your house on a rock, not on the sifting sand, and we need to do that indeed. So talking about the music, Dallas Home, how did you get into Christian music?
1: Uh, really, just by becoming a Christian, which you know sounds very obvious, but the night that I became a Christian, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, along with the commitment of my life, I remember, I don't know that I said it out loud, but I remember thinking very clearly in my mind, well, if I'm going to live for Jesus, I'm going to sing for Jesus, and only for Jesus, if I ever write any songs and i had written a few songs you know just old rock songs of one sort or another Hmm. but i remember thinking if i write any more songs they will be about jesus if i ever get to make a record it'll only be about jesus and i've always kept that commitment i've never written sung or done anything musically for any one or anything other than the lord jesus now that's my commitment and again in 1965 for example contemporary christian music wasn't even a term Mm -hmm. Uh, Near as we can figure, contemporary Christian music, that term came about in about 1974. Radio stations started to use that term. Prior to that, we called it Jesus music, Jesus rock, whatever. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what to call it, we just did it. So in 1965, to say, I'm going to sing for Jesus, or I'm going to write music for Jesus if I get the chance, I'm going to record for Jesus, I didn't know what that meant. It was just my commitment.
0: You're listening to The
1: Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We
0: depend on the generous gifts of our listener to produce this program. You can help reach millions of folks with the sure reality of the message of Jesus by
1: becoming a Sure Reality Vision Partner. To partner with us, please visit the website surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner.
0: Hello to you. Thank you for clicking on in or tuning on into The Reality. This is a half-hour talk show talking about the reality of real life as found in Jesus Christ. I'm Dudley Anderson, and it's really good to be with you. So today on The Reality, we're speaking with singer, songwriter, and Christian artist Dallas Holm. Dallas has been making inspiring Christian music since the 1970s. He's shared with us how he was raised in a Christian home but had no relationship with Jesus Christ until he came to faith in 1965 at the age of 16. At this age, Dallas Home began writing his own Christian songs. We've chatted about how, sadly, many Christian ethics and practices have been extricated from the 21st century Western life, from schools, colleges, universities, and even homes. Dallas has brought out how important it is for us as Christian believers to live out our faith without compromising the truth of God's Word. This principle plays out in Dallas Holmes' music. Dallas has earned gold records, multiple Dove Awards and other nominations, and written a number of number one songs in the genre of contemporary Christian music, or CCM. Let's pick up our chat once again at Dallasome today as he explains how he has witnessed the great technological advances in music production and performance over the years.
1: I've lived through a lot of technology. The first uh, recording I ever did, first Christian recording, was in 1966. It wasn't even stereo. It was monaural vinyl, mm-hmm. uh, what you call 33 and a third speed, mm-hmm. a record. Mm-hmm. The next record I made was in about 67, I think, maybe 68. And that was stereo. That's first we ever heard of stereo. Yeah, and I remember we, wow. we went out, and got headphones, put them on, and listened to, <laughs> you know, the the two of the toms on the drum over in the left side of our head, yeah. and then they f- f- bled over into the right side, and we were just blown away. Wow. Then we made 45s. That's what they played uh, the singles on the radio stations were what they call 45s. Yeah, yeah. Big black donuts. Then they came out with eight tracks for a while, which was a interesting uh, technology. It Was a cartridge tape that was broken down into four quadrants and it would run for, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes in one direction. Then when it came to the end of the tape, it would stop, click, and run back. So songs broke in the middle sometimes, <laughs> and, you know, that was interesting. Then cassettes came out, mm-hmm. then CDs came out, then a few mini-discs. Now they download my music in cyberspace. Mm-hmm. So I've lived through a lot of technology.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Christian Music has uh, has developed with the technology. Obviously, uh, the streaming element, you know, we, we don't really buy CDs even anymore, you know, I've still got a whole bunch of, of uh, cassettes upstairs and and vinyl, <laughs> old vinyl that I bought back in the seventies in the and eighties. But um, they don't do that anymore. It's all streamed online, and you can download and and uh, and do all the stuff online. But not only has the technology changed, Dallas, but I think the the style and not just the the performance style, but the the, the ethos of Christian music has changed in itself as well. Um, Praise and worship seems to be a very big genre in Christian music these days. And generally, if you listen to the radio, uh, most of the music is praise and worship music. Do you think there's still a place for what I would call ministry music, performing music in in Christian music?
1: Yeah, you, you've uh, you've pushed my button, as they say. Mm. And, and I will qualify this answer by saying I know I'm probably somewhat biased because of where I came from my perspective of the journey and evolution of christian music but i i certainly appreciate greatly the fact that christian musicians artists at some point you know i go back to like even maranatha music in the 70s began you know focusing in on quote praise and worship music hmm. and then we've had several uh, various kind of musical schools of thought in that in that realm and in that genre that a lot of people would be familiar with. But it's kind of been at the expense of someone telling me their story. Hmm. And I don't hear those kind of songs as much anymore. I can remember songs that I've heard even up into the 90s where I literally pulled off the road. I was listening to Christian radio. I pulled off the road and it's like, man, that song is so good. Who is that? I, I think there's a place for both. I hmm. think we've run way over to, to one side of the ship with, quote, praise and worship music, and and here's my concern. I I don't think there's any way you can praise the Lord too much. Thank God that Mm -hmm. we have young people who are praising and worshiping the Lord. But what has happened in the industry, and this will sound pretty cynical, but whatever works, the industry is going to go that direction. When praise and worship music suddenly became very huge, there were bands, (laughs) I'll just say it this way, There were bands that couldn't even spell praise and worship uh, (laughs) previously, but all of a sudden they're being billed as Mm. a praise and worship group or come to this praise and worship group and hear so-and-so because they realized, oh, that's the new big thing. The record companies realized, oh, this is what's selling. This is what the marketplace is, is gobbling up, so let's kind of steer everything into praise and worship. There are people that are called to do praise and worship music, and they should do it, and they do it very well, but there are people who are called not to do that probably would be better gifted to do other things but they're tempted to go over to what is uh, in the marketplace you know monetarily successful and, I, and again I don't want to over generalize mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not every everybody I wouldn't want anybody out there to say oh I bet he's talking about so and so I'm just talking mm-hmm. in general terms yeah. that my observation is uh, there's been almost kind of a dumbing down of excellent songwriting because We've got this one theme we want to cover because it's very commercially successful. Uh, I I would like to see personally, I'd like to see some, you know, great songs, songwriters telling stories, Mm. uh, things that we just haven't that that really, you know, tweak our thinking and and touch our spirit.
0: Now, speaking of songs that touch our spirit, Dallas, you're very famous for an incredible song, uh, Rise Again. How did that song come together?
1: In 1970, I joined a man named David Wilkerson. Uh, He's best known for his book, The Cross and the Switchblade, which chronicles the story of a young preacher from Pennsylvania going to New York City to work with the gangs and the drug addicts, and uh, started a ministry called Teen Challenge, which now has faith-based rehabilitation centers all over the world. Hmm. Um, In the early 70s, of course, the drug situation poured out of the major cities into every rural uh, area uh, around the world, really. So he developed what they call the crusade-style ministry, kind of like Billy Graham crusades, except they were youth crusades, primarily directed towards young people in the youth culture. So I joined him in 1970. We traveled all over the country and in many countries around the world, preaching the gospel. In uh, of course, I sang. I usually took 20 minutes or so to sing some songs, uh, share from my heart. He was very generous to let me do that. In 1976. Uh, we were talking, and, and we both came to the conclusion that perhaps a band would be more palatable to the culture that to whom we were ministering. Hmm. Uh, solo artists was working okay. I played the guitar and sang, but a band might be more engaging, especially a lot of ministry we're doing on college campuses and spring break on the beaches. And So anyway, we, we set out to put this group together, and I finally found the people that I, I thought were going to be the the right components for the group and we were going to get together on a particular day, talk about it, maybe sing a little bit, see how it worked out, and I realized, well, i got to have some music now, we're going to have three-part vocals, a band, so I sat down with my yellow tablet and my pencil and just thought, well, I need to write some music. Writing had always been very, very easy to me. I could usually sit down and come up with an idea lyrically or musically. Uh, I still believe that was, you know, I believe God gives gifts or abilities Uh, I don't claim to ever have heard a voice out of heaven, but I believe Mm. that one I have written, it's been by uh, the Lord's prompting and direction. Mm. But this was different. I sat there, and man, I didn't have an idea. I I couldn't come up with a thing. Mm. I was just blank. And so I began to pray, which I obviously should have done in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, but in the course of my prayer, kind of out of frustration, I said, well, Lord, if you were singing, what would you say? Mm-hmm. And that thought struck me. I, I thought, I don't know if I've ever heard a song from a first-person point of view. And as kind of strange as this may, sa- uh, may sound, I kind of had this image in the back of my mind of Jesus as we picture him with the long hair and the beard and the robe. Okay, I'm in the back of the auditorium. He's up on stage with the guitar singing. What would he sing? What would he say <laughs> in that type Mm -hmm. of setting. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I didn't hear a voice out of heaven, no thunderclaps, lightning bolts, but I began to write, and it was literally like taking dictation. Uh, I think about 10 minutes, 15 at the outside, I had the lyrics, the music, everything done, no corrections, Mm. and I remember when I was done, I looked at it, and I I had this thought, this didn't just come out of my head. I, I don't write like this. This is something special, and as it turned out it was very special. God used it uh, and continues to in a very, very special way to touch many people. The song really opened the door for me. Um, you know, I would say on an international scale, the song just went all over the world. It's been recorded by a lot of different kinds of, uh, I mean, from Southern Gospel to Black Gospel to uh, Bob Dylan to Brad Paisley. <laughs> to, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a mm. strange mm. array of people that gravitated this song. And in, in, it just kind of threw the doors open to suddenly have a larger platform for ministry. And, Of course, the song is very, very simple, and it simply is about the resurrection, the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, the essence of the gospel. Hmm. And uh, you know it's one of those things i'm I'm not smart enough to have thought that all up. so I, I just <laughs> I've often said, and I say it carefully, but I often said, God wrote the song and I just delivered the message. I, I, I know that to some will sound presumptuous. But I, I really can't explain anyway. I can't take credit for that. The same way I do other songs, that I go, "Yeah, I remember sitting down and writing that, or I thought that up, or I had a an idea from scripture or an experience." But this was different. Yeah, so yeah.
0: Uh, praise you know,
1: God. I leave it lay there.
0: Fantastic, and as popularity proves, it's in, it's inspiration, isn't it? You know, uh, often uh, if if I try my best and I try and do something out of my own effort, it doesn't work. <laughs> but when exactly. God when God steps in, man, it works.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I and I believe you know use the word inspiration. I don't have any problem. We know from Scripture that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He's not there to be silent or dormant, uh, like with the song "Rise Again" to say, "I know that." God, by his Holy Spirit, inspired the process and the thoughts of that song. Does that mean I consider it to be equal to Scripture? No, not by any means. But it's the same God that inspired that song, Mm -hmm. who who did inspire Scripture.
0: Mm. Spot on. Absolutely. Dallas Home has been fantastic speaking to you today. I pray that God will richly bless your work. Thank you for joining us. Go ahead Drive the nails in my head. Laugh at me. Where you stand,
1: go ahead and say.
0: Just a short clip from that song, Rise Again by Dallas Home today on The Reality. And yes, it was so good to speak to Dellas Home today on The Reality. If anything has touched your heart today and you have some questions, please do consider writing to me an email, dudley at surereality.net. Do email me dudley at surereality.net if you have any comments or questions. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We require your prayer and support to keep this program going. Please consider partnering with us by becoming a vision partner through the website surereality.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you, as always, keep walking in the sure reality of Christ.